Hi, I'm Kirsty Gallagher, and this is Give Us Your Goals, the podcast which finds out how some of the biggest names in sport and entertainment go about achieving their dreams. In this episode, I speak to the actor, writer, and comedian Babatunde Aleshe. As a stand-up, he's performed at iconic venues like the O2, the Hammersmith Apollo, and the Hackney Empire. And on TV, he's appeared in shows like Doctor Who, EastEnders, New Tricks, and Celebrity Gogglebox, alongside his friend, Mo Gilligan. In our conversation, he tells me how he paid his way through drama school with his stand-up gigs, and why one day he would love to own his own vineyard. Give Us Your Goals is a paid promotion by online investment platform, Best in Best. Babatunde, welcome to Give Us Your Goals. I hope you're well. Thank you so much for joining me. I want to go back to the beginning and hear your story. I love your story, the fact that you, you've already done so much and you're so young. But it, it didn't start like that. Comedy, acting, it wasn't exactly what you'd sort of pinned your hopes on, was it? Well, it, it was. It was definitely, well, on my mum's side, it wasn't. <laughs> she wanted me to be <laughs> like, you know, typical, like, you know, your doctor, lawyer. That was her dream for me. But I, I had other aspirations, like, you know, growing up in a place like Tottenham, I just wanted to be in the arts. So, yeah, as soon as I saw Eddie Murphy perform Delirious, I was very, very young. So I, I don't even know how old I was. I was probably like 10 or 11 or something. But I saw that tape at my auntie's house. And as soon as I saw that, it that was it, like sold. I was just like, yep, that's exactly what I want to be. <laughs> but your parents though, yeah, I think I, I, that, that's sort of where I was coming from. They wanted you to do something, what, more serious, accountancy, be a lawyer. Why was that? I think for them, coming from Africa all the way to London, their whole thing was make sure you have a job that's, you know, that's going to make make sure that you're secure. Your life is always secure. You've got money and it's a reliable type of source of income. That was their dream. And also the title, like Africans, especially Nigerians, they love titles. So if they say that, yeah, their sons are doctor, that kind of puts them on like a, a pedestal, like a status, it's a status thing. And when I told my mom that I wanted to be a comedian, she weren't too pleased. Like she was just like, so you, you, you want oh. to be a clown? <laughs> that was her take of it. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? You're going to be a clown for the rest of your life. And it's just like, no, man, I just want to make people laugh. You know what I mean? She was fine with it. Fair enough to my mum, because my dad wasn't around. If my dad was around, it would have been different because he was an engineer. So he would have been like, nope, you're going down this road. But my mum was just like, you know what? It's cool express yourself if that's what you want to do then do it yeah so you set your sights you set your goal then was that you're like right I want to be the new Eddie Murphy yep. <laughs> yeah yes did absolutely you? yeah I did and how did you go about that I turned serious about it when I was 16 that's when I turned serious and I started writing every single day without fail I literally whenever something hit me bang I just wrote it down just I had this big Green book, I remember it was. And it was just like, I think it was one book that I most likely stole from school or something like that. But it was a, <laughs> <laughs> it was this big green book, like A4 size paper. And I literally, anything that came to mind, I'll just write bullet points about it. And I just memorized all these bits of, of material in my head. Like, and I just, Amazing. Like, I had a hundred pages, like full of anything that came to mind. And I every day wrote, 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 wrote. 
and I would practice my material. And I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know that like I was like, you know, doing like workshopping material. I was just practicing because it was my passion. Yeah, I just did that for like a year straight until I did my first gig when I was 17. Amazing. And and just set the scene, because I'm imagining before 16, you you got the your bedroom door shut and you're in your bedroom. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and what, you know, are you in the mirror? Are you, are you on your phone? What, how's that working? I'm just trying to get some imagery together here. So I'm just talking to myself in my room, literally. And my mum would like, honestly, come to my bedroom every day and be like, who the hell are you talking to? Because I'll just be making, I'll be laughing. <laughs> I'll be laughing, but I'd be talking to myself. Didn't practice in the mirror or anything like that. I didn't have no mirror in my bedroom. So I was just like literally pretending like my, my hairbrush was a microphone. And I'd just be rehearsing. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'd just be rehearsing beside my bed, moving up and down, like, you know, just like walking around my bedroom and stuff like that. I was doing that every day until my mum was just like, okay, he's practicing. This is whatever, like, let me just leave him to it. So (laughs) how lovely that you were able to just carry on and that you felt that you had the support of your mum to do that. So at this point, goal setting, let's talk about that. What was your next sort of goal as far as reaching that point as a comedian, as an actor? So the next goal that I set myself was to get on stage to perform. And how I went about that I didn't even go to a comedy club, actually. So this is how it happened. I set my sights on being a comedian, like actually performing on stage. And then I ran into two comedians. I ran into uh, Nina Benjamin, who was doing Three Non-Blondes at the time. I met her on the Piccadilly line. I was going Wood Green. I met her on the Piccadilly line and I I was just asking her. Yeah, I was asking her about like the comedy scene and what it's like. And I was telling her that I'm going to be the next big thing, all this stuff like that. And she was just looking at me like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> and then I, I, I bumped into another comedian by the name of Kojo Anim. And this is when I had built up the courage to ask him, how do I get onto the scene? Because with Nina Benjamin, I was supposed to, but I kind of like chickened out a bit because like it was, plus we were on the train. So it was a bit awkward, but with Kojo, I bumped into him and I was just like, look, I want to get onto the scene. I want to be a comedian. I need to do this. And he gave me his number and he gave me his manager's number as well. So it was a bit of luck on my part because I I had bumped into him. But once he gave me um, his manager's number, he was just like, call this guy and he will book you your first gig. And so, yeah, November the 26th, 2003, I was 17 years old and and I performed my first gig. Fantastic. Incredible. Incredible. And, and so you went to Central School of Speech and Drama, though, didn't you? Yes, I did. <laughs> when, <laughs> what was that experience like? And, and how did that help you in, in establishing exactly what you wanted to do? Well, with Central, I set my sights on going there because the year before they had rejected my sister. So for me, it was just like, well, I'm getting in because, you know, this is kind of yeah. like revenge for not accepting my sister, because my sister, she was a great actress. And so I was just like, well, there's no way you're going to turn me down then. And so I got in. <laughs> <laughs> I got in. With that, the reason why I wanted to be an actor is because, again, Eddie Murphy being my, my hero, I wanted to become a comedy actor as well, like do exactly what he had done within his career. Mm. So, <laughs> I mean, I didn't know what to expect because I thought, yeah, you know, I just get to like act in all these different plays. 
it was a lot more tougher than that. <laughs> I got a no. rude awakening, you know what I'm saying? Like doing like classics, all the Shakespeare classics and stuff like that. So I was kind of like out of my depth going there, but it was a great experience and I learned a ton. And I was in the same class as um, Kit Harrington, who is Jon Snow in, in Game of Thrones. So that was oh, a, a yes. yeah, that was a good experience, like seeing his rise to success because even yeah. throughout drama school, you could see that he was going to be someone like huge. When you were studying there, diversity wise, was that difficult? I mean, I read something that you were at one point the only black person there. I mean, did you find that a challenge at all or, or not really? And, and how, did you, how did you face that? How did you deal with that? Yeah, I did. I, I mean, I was the only black guy in my class. There was no, yeah, I was the only black person in my class, should I say. There were other black people, but they were just like in different years and stuff like that. So it was difficult because not only was like, you know, me being black, did I stand out, but I was also like, you know, from a working class background. So I lived in a very dangerous area. And so I was street black. You get what I'm trying to say? And I think that kind of threw people because it was, I couldn't relate to them. A lot of people were like middle class, some were upper class. Yeah. And so... You know, these were kids that, you know, went private school and came from good backgrounds and stuff like that. Whereas I was coming from a place where you look at someone the wrong way, you could get stabbed. So, (laughs) and I was only 19, I was a teenager. And so all that influence came with me when I was in class. So I couldn't relate to a lot of people. A lot of people couldn't relate to me. And um, I think their lack of not being around black people, sometimes people said the wrong thing out of ignorance, not out of like hatred. And no one was ever, yeah, Yeah, no one was ever like racist towards me, but sometimes some people would say some stuff and I was just like, it shows that you don't have black friends. So yeah, that was, um, it was, it was was very tough. I won't lie. And, and very, yeah, very tough, but very important, I guess, for your learning and for the world you're about to step into as well, I, I, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all been like training for what I'm doing now, like, you know, the kind of spaces that I'm in now, because even though, yes, there are a lot of famous black people within the industry, sometimes you do find yourself in rooms or in situations where you're one of few within like, you know, whatever project that we're working on at the moment. So I think it's great, like how we've moved on now. And I think it's great what Mo Gilligan's doing. Like he's also setting up like, you know, you know, TV and stuff like that, where it's like black people behind the camera as well as in front of the camera. And so it's just beautiful to to be around that energy. At this point, so as you are, uh, you, you know, you're learning, you're studying, you're also being given these opportunities to go on stage and you bumping into these brilliant people, which, I mean, I do believe in fate. I do. Uh, and I bet you do too, because, you, you know, sometimes things are just mapped out. How were you financing yourself and how difficult was that? I mean, because you know, you had to get out there. Who gave you those opportunities? Or did you have a job on the on the side? No, so my job was stand-up. So on the side of doing drama school, I was also performing stand-up at night. Ah. Yeah, so <laughs> that was my job, you know what I'm saying? And my mum was obviously like helping me wherever she So could. that was enough? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean- Yeah, so that was I, enough I, to support you. Yeah, as a teenager in like young 20s, you don't really need that much money to kind of like- get around and stuff like that and you know so so long as you've got like a decent income like a month 
you could live off little as a teenager, you know what I mean? But yeah, that was enough to, to support me at that time. And, and just interestingly, you know, talking about money, talking about planning for the future, for families, etc. You know, at that point where you were like, I, I want to be a, a famous actor, comedian, you know, were you thinking about money? Were you thinking about fame and fortune or was it more the passion? At that point, it was just a passion. I remember there was lots of times where people would say, oh, you know, I've only got like 20 quid for you. And I was just like, that's fine. I, I just want to get on stage. It was never about really? the money. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was never about the money. Never about the money. Like I was just so driven, just wanting to make people laugh. Never had any financial plans. Never had uh, like a goal. I didn't really know too much about money. Like I didn't know, like now, obviously, like I've, like my whole life is set up in a way which you know, like, you know, you know how it goes, like your accountant tells you how much you're allowed to spend per month or whatever, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Back then, I did not have that, man. Did not have. I wish I did because <laughs> I would have been better off now. But yeah, had no understanding of money. Really? Uh, and mm. so now you, you now realise how important it is as you, yeah. as you sort of, as we all plan for, for family and all the rest of it. And that, that is one of the things. So listen, and also, is it right that you actually, at one point you thought about having your own vineyard? I mean, I, I just wanted to ask you, clarify yeah. this. I read, I read something about your own <laughs> aspirations of owning your own white, but not being on the label, just being no, behind right, right. it. Tell me about yeah. that. I love it. So, but that's actually uh, more recent. Me and my wife were huge yeah oh. yeah we're huge wine lovers uh and um yeah we've always spoke about actually like we'd like to have our own wine and have our own vineyard like yeah. it's a bit out there like <laughs> but yeah i'd, I'd no, really like it yeah <laughs> what kind of wine do you like i love portuguese wine so uh do you? yeah yeah so uh temporello red uh, and a vino verde white so we're really nice huge 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 wine like enthusiasts yeah but this would be a great sideline wouldn't it i mean i'm i'm i can see it now i mean you you are doing what you're doing uh, and then this is a, a wonderful sideline business come on yeah 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 yeah. absolutely yeah it's definitely i mean look in the next few years hopefully you know you'll see pictures of me in portugal man <laughs> my own wine vineyard like tasting grapes and crushing grapes under my feet who knows man you know what I mean? so, Brilliant. Yeah, yeah great yeah. money making exercise fantastic but no. that is one of the goals yeah uh, i love that and and to do that and then you know possibly retire there i mean how gorgeous that's, absolutely that's, i've got it all in my head So listen, you 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 have you are building a, a fantastic portfolio you've been you know you've been on our screens so much you've been on stage. Let's talk about Mo it, because you supported him last year, you know, on the national tour. Yeah. I mean, what was that like at the O2, for example, on that huge stage with one of the most, uh, you know, you are both uh, huge and up and coming, but he, he's really shot up there, hasn't he? He's got his own, you know, programs now. Well, what was it like working with him, knowing him? And, and, and did, you, did you learn a lot from working with him? Yeah, so I learned so much working with Mo. This was his second uh, national tour. And um, this was him mm. preparing me also for my first national tour, which is upcoming next year. Uh, yeah, hi him taking me on tour, I got shown exactly how to tour correctly if you're going to, you know, go across the country. Because his first tour, 
you know, he learned a lot from doing that. So he kind of wanted to pass the baton on to me, like, this is how you do it correctly. And this is how you take care of the people around you correctly. Everybody that's following you on tour, especially your supporting act. You know, he gave me the freedom to, well, I had enough time basically on stage and he gave me the freedom to be as funny as I needed to be because a lot of the time on tours, they take people who are, you know, are decent newcomers up and coming so that they kind of don't overshine. And Mo was just like, look, go out there and do your best. I don't care if you, if people leave saying you were better than me, go out there and kill it. Like, and he reminded me of that every single night. And um, I learned so much, man, from that guy. And, he, and we've been friends for like 10 plus years. We've been knowing each other for yeah. such a long time. And for him to rise to fame as he has been, it's just been a beautiful thing to witness. And it's been good to be on this journey with him. So I really appreciate Mo, man. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I don't know him very well, but I've worked with him a couple of times, Soccer Aid, various other programs. And he is he is absolutely brilliant. And and it, was it nerve wracking? How did you feel when you were up there and, and sort of, you know, how have you got to grips, I guess, with, with these situations? Or, or is it kind of easy now for you? No, always still nerve wracking. Yeah, do, performing at these iconic venues, places like Hammersmith Apollo, you know, the O2 Arena, all these places. Yeah, it, it's, <laughs> it was nerve wracking. I won't lie to you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, we, we sold out Hammersmith Apollo 10 nights in a row. And that just blew, yeah, that blew my mind. I couldn't, be, I couldn't believe that a friend of mine was able to do such a thing. Like, Every record that he's just kind of like broken within our community, I'm always in awe of it. Like when we did the O2 and he was just like, he phoned me up. He was just like, how you doing, bro? Like, you cool? What are you doing? I was just like, yeah, I'm just sitting down. I'm in my living room. He was just like, how does, how does uh, performing at the O2 arena sound? I was like, bro, that, that'd be oh. sick, man. And he was just like, yeah, so you're going to do that in a month's time. I was like, what? <laughs> wow. I, could, I couldn't believe it. Just like, amazing. Yeah, man. He, ah, oh, man, like, he's a good, good friend of mine. Even when he won the BAFTA the first time when we were in, um, we were in lockdown. And I remember he won it. And, ah, oh, this, me and my wife and my son, we lost our minds. Oh. We were jumping up and down. I sent him a voice note. We were all shouting, singing, like going crazy. Brilliant. And he just he just sent a voice note back, just laughing. He was just like, "Nah, thank you guys." Like, but like, I'm such a big supporter of Mo, as as you can yeah, tell by yeah. how much I talk about him. Such a big no. Uh, listen, of him. yeah, no, it's no. You're brilliant together, and also, you know, like, you know, you meant mentioning celebrity goggle box, which uh, I mean, see, I'm a huge goggle box fan, actually. I mean, what what's that been like to be a part of that little community? That I bet it's brilliant fun, is it? Oh man, it's the best job ever, man. I swear to you. <laughs> I mean, sitting down and watching TV all day. I mean, what? Yeah. <laughs> the... What could be wrong? Exactly. And having snacks is the best, man. And um, ah, yeah. When when I got told that I was going to do that with Mo, these, these were all moments where Mo went out of his way to make mm -hmm. sure that I was part of it because they were like trying you were to by offer him... side. Yeah, yeah. They were trying to offer him other people, and he was just like, "Nope. If I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it with like my friend." So. Let's How get lovely. Baba. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, Baba. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Being part of, uh, you know, the whole kind of Gogglebox, like, crew. Ah, oh, man, it's, it's wicked, man. Because I've always wanted to do that show since, like, watching it. 
just as a normal person, like, you know, working a nine to five, I've always wanted to be on the show. So to do it, do the celebrity version, uh, man, that's, uh, that's a plus right there. I was, I've always wondered, actually, when you're doing it, do you have to switch off from the fact that you're being filmed? How, how does that, like, in the beginning, you must be a bit, like, aware of everything until you get into no. it. Is that right? No, or or no, how no. does it work? Or no? Yeah, because... Do you not think about that? No, not at all, because the camera, like, there's no one else in the room. Like, they just put the camera there and you forget about it because the camera's so small. But that's what I mean. Do you forget quite quickly? Oh, oh quickly. Right. Yeah. The minute they yell roll and like, oh, yeah, it's, re it's recording. It's just like, as soon as they, like, the program comes on the screen, that's it. It's out of your mind. Now you're sucked into to what you're watching because of how it's done. I can't talk about too much how it's done, but how it's yeah. done. Yeah. You really get immersed into whatever you're watching. That's why all the reactions are genuine. Like when people are just like, why are you always screaming when like, you know, <laughs> horrors are on? And it's so just like, funny. because I'm really scared. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's brilliant. Listen, it, you, honestly, absolutely brilliant. I, I take my hat off you. So you mentioned the national tour and let's look forward now at your goals for the future. I mean, you've got, you're obviously, are you writing away at the moment and, and sort of plotting for next year? How, how does that work for you and how do you sort of do that? So the way, like, yeah, we always go about it is we write every single day at home. What I'm doing now, every day I write for just one hour. I make sure I sit at my computer, mm -hmm. uh, write for one hour. So, well, not write for one hour. More time I write for 20 minutes. And then the rest of the time, like 40 minutes, I just kind of like review it, like, and, you know, contemplate yeah. everything that I've kind of written, maybe a few edits here. How does it link into the other story? I just make my little tweaks and stuff. And then if I'm booked, I'll, you know, go to a comedy, you know, club and work out 10 minutes of material, you know, get it on its feet, do like work in progresses, like at the end of the month, half an hour here, half an hour there, an hour there. Brilliant. And just work it, work it, work it up until the tour, until it's ready. Exciting. Can you give us a little, any little pointers <laughs> to, to what, what we may see? And Well, I'll tell you this. I'm, I'm talking about fame and me as a father and what oh. that's like with everything that's going on in my life and also me as a husband as well kind of like the challenges that I've faced being married for seven years now so yeah that's uh <laughs> I, I, that's all I'm talking about at the moment so yeah <laughs> I don't want to give too much oh. away <laughs> no 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 and and how are you enjoying fatherhood wonderful I love it I I absolutely love it I was telling my friend the other day like it's the little things about fatherhood that get me excited. Like when I'm in the garden and, you know, I'm going in my shed and stuff like that. And my son's with me and he's seeing oh. me with a bunch of like, you know, power tools doing stuff around the house and blah, blah, blah. All those things. Because I never <laughs> grew up uh, with my dad. So my, I never witnessed my dad doing stuff around the house, like fixing a shelf or putting stuff together. And so when my son gets to see me doing stuff like that, it makes me happy because I've always wanted that yeah. um, family kind of like structure. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, I love it. <laughs> yeah, I know it's fantastic. And, and for the future, Baba, what what are your goals that you you set yourself? I mean, obviously, you you've got this tour that will be a hit. I know it will. But what what else do you want to do apart from the vineyard? Anything else? <laughs> so I want to go back into acting. That's another thing on my agenda, like as a goal. And so at the moment, we're just doing like auditions here and there, trying to get some short films. So yeah, acting definitely want to go back into acting. I'm going to start working on my second hour. Literally, 
a month after I come back from holiday, after my tour, going to start working on my second hour, try to do another special, hopefully get that on like, you know, like a Netflix or Amazon or something like that. Fantastic. And yeah, man, just continue this great relationship with my wife and just see what the future holds really other than the vineyard other than that which is uh, a definite it all sounds great yeah just I, I honestly my my goal is just to keep this good thing going that i've got with my my family that's the number one goal for me like fame and all of that stuff is all good and but really and truly you need that support behind you and my support comes from you know being married to my beautiful wife and being a, a father to my son so so long as that, I've got that, I, I, to be honest, you know, fame is, it is what it is. You know what I mean? It comes, it goes. Yeah. <laughs> but you're right. Happiness and, and true happiness is the key. And let me finally ask you, have you ever met your hero, Eddie Murphy? No, I've not. But I've Damn! met two of my other heroes. I've met Dave Chappelle on three occasions. Oh, I've even performed amazing. with him. I've performed with him and I've met Chris Rock which I've met Chris Rock twice. And yeah, every time I've, I've met even one of them, I'm just blown away. But Eddie Murphy, I will meet that guy. I will definitely meet you will. that guy. You <laughs> will. I'm going to make sure. I mean, I'm just going to have, you know, I'm sending so much positive energy because ah, it's so you. lovely to hear. Because Well, because I love him too. He's yeah. just brilliant. And I grew up watching those all those films and laughing and, oh, exactly. you know, just kind of sniggering away to it. And I am... I love to hear that, you know, that was your childhood kind of like he was your hero and you have yeah. followed that dream and you are living the dream. You, you are, you will, you will meet him. And, and, just, and just quickly, what was it like when you met Dave and, and, and also Kevin? I mean, what, what, what was that like apart from being blown away? What were they like as people? So Dave Chappelle, when I met him, he is exactly how you perceive him from, you know, watching him. He is a gentle, like humble guy. Very, very, very knowledgeable. Very cultured. Very, very cultured. And just, he's just a people person. He's somebody who just loves to interact with people, loves to get to know uh, people's stories. Like the minute you just mentioned, when I said to him, yeah, my name's Baba Tunde, this guy was just like, yeah, he's heard of that name. And, oh, that's from Nigeria. And yeah, just giving me stories about like, you know, go into Africa and things like that. And just a, ah, just very, very cultured, nosy stuff. And Chris Rock is a bit more reserved. Was, was Chris as funny? Oh, oh, was he? Yeah, Chris is very reserved. Very, very reserved. He's a, I can tell he's an introvert, just like how I am normally. You know, I can tell he's like that. Kind of, he doesn't really like to be the center of attention. He kind of puts himself on the outside and kind of observes everything that's going on. Not as loud as everybody would, would think. I've met Kevin Hart and Kevin Hart is the mm. ultimate I was going to make, that's the other person I was going to ask you about. Kevin is someone that I love. Yeah, I was yeah, gonna, yeah. Uh, exactly. He's the ultimate host. Really? Yeah, he is. Yeah, he's just, he's so good at accommodating people, just bringing people in. Hey, what's your name? And, you know, just, hey, how you doing? You know, kind of thing. Papa Tunde loves your stuff. Da, 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 and just moves on and just makes everybody feel really good about themselves. And so, yes, yeah, it's, 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 <laughs> it's been good to meet all the people I've met. And hopefully I get to meet more. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Eddie's the one. Eddie's the one. Yeah, and just, yeah, and yeah. just very quickly. Yeah. We talked about you being the only black person in, in your class when you were at drama college. Would you say the barriers are now 
we are sort of breaking down the barriers as far as diversity is concerned. Do you feel that you are accepted and there is no yeah, yeah, yeah. issue? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think definitely now is such a good time uh, for black uh, artists, whether in music or you know, comedy or acting or whatever, you know, they're giving us our own platform and not only giving us our own platform, they're giving us a chance to really showcase our culture and how we express ourselves. And it's not in a patronizing way. It's in a way to kind of like change the conversation from how it used to be back in the day where, you know, people never really used to care about how, like our self-expression and stuff like that. So right now it's so good. And like I said before, people like Mo, People like Stormzy, people like uh, who else, man? So many people that I can mention. Yeah. But definitely Mo and someone like Stormzy put in black people, showcasing black people behind the camera as well as in front of the camera. Like I know that Mo did um, the Big Breakfast, and that was just everybody on on set was black. Yeah. <laughs> Every single person, and I don't think that that was a way in kind of like overcompensating for the fact no. that. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, we've not been in those positions before. It's just to show people that, hey, we can do this as well. Like, trust us as well. You know what I'm saying? And um, I don't know, man. It's just so good to be a part of, like, what's going on right now. And, yeah, it's exciting. (laughs) Hopefully I get to create my own legacy. But at the moment, yeah. I'm just learning, though. I'm just learning that. I'm not afraid to tell people that I'm just a regular guy learning. I'm just watching everybody learning my, my own kind of like process and yeah, seeing where I fit in within this huge thing. (laughs) Yeah. But you're doing, it seems like you're doing it brilliantly. I mean, you are building a huge portfolio. You've got your tour coming up next year. You've already got so many brilliant experiences. You've got so much to talk about. And I love the fact that, you know, your family, your son, your wife, that's part of your story that that's what you want to tell. And, and listen, it's been an absolute joy. And I've been really looking forward to speaking to you. Baba Tunde, thank you so much. Thank and good luck you next so year. much. Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. If you've enjoyed the show, please do leave us a review and a rating in your podcast app. And most importantly, tell a friend about it. Give Us Your Goals is brought to you by online investment platform Best Invest. Best Invest believe that a consistent approach to setting goals allows for a far more comfortable future and that your hard-earned money could work harder through being invested. If you'd like help achieving your financial goals, consider Best Invest, who offer a wide range of investments, free expert coaching, smart planning tools and competitive pricing. Visit bestinvest.co.uk to learn more. Remember that when you invest, your capital is at risk. Best Invest is a trading name of Evelyn Partners Investment Management Services Limited, authorised and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority.